Welcome to MLR Kickoff Episode 21 with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, folks. Welcome to this week's edition of MLR Kickoff. And it's a big show coming your way, too. We will go in-depth to everything from round four. We will have our travel tip plus preview the bumper weekend coming up in round five. Plus, have a look at Gary Gold's selections, which came out today for the ARC match against Brazil. As always, I am joined by the mercurial Pete Steinberg, who comes off the back of a lengthy travel schedule. And Pete, I appreciate you making the time to join us. Well, thanks, Dan. Um, people, uh, listeners won't realize that we've been sitting here for about 45 minutes trying to deal with some technical difficulties to get this going. But uh, um, Aaron Castro, our erstwhile producer, has stuck with us um, through our travel schedules and through the technical difficulties. And we're here, excited to get on with the show. We certainly are. Every, uh, every game we do where we're sitting up in the box sighing when they say, just having some difficulties in the truck, we, uh, we now feel their pain. That's right. That's right. Well, I have my travel tip, Dan, if, uh, if I can kick off with that. So um, I flew back from Houston today working with a client, and I made the fatal error of originally booking my ticket for the later flight. So a late flight because I thought maybe – um, you know, there might be an opportunity to network with my client. My client might want a little bit of, of extra time. The problem with that is that the later flight always has seats available. The six o'clock or the five o'clock or the 6.30, they're the ones that get booked because they're the ones for the business people trying to get out of the office and get on a flight. And I had a 7.50 flight. And so it was really hard for me to change the seat to be able to get onto the 6.05. Um, I managed to do it a bit with standby, but that meant, Dan, I was in, in 24A all oh. the way in the back. Unheard of. I know. Unheard of. I know. It was, it was, but, but I got here, so I got back in time to do the podcast, which was my main focus. So that's, uh, that's my tr- travel tip. If you're going to book your flight, book it during the busy time. You can always move it to the later flights. And get that seat. Hey, uh, every... Uh... Every dark cloud has a silver lining. You got to join us. So that's right. We'll take that's it right. for what it's worth. Hey, Pete, let's dig into the weekend's game because it really was a, an enthralling weekend of rugby that we saw in Major League Rugby for week four. And we kicked it off down in New Orleans where the undefeated Noah Gold bought uh, the also undefeated, but 1 0 after three weeks, coming off the back of two buys. Uh, Rooney came to town, but it was the boys from up in New York who got the win, 27-24. Carl Marsh kicks a penalty in the uh, in the last eight minutes to to get the win for them. And there were some technical difficulties with this game, so I know a lot of people out there were quite frustrated. And I, I called this game, and I think I heard from about half of the uh, Major League Rugby fan base on my phone just telling me, you know, giving me their opinions on uh, on me and what was happening. But what did you think of the game? And have you had a chance to go back and watch the uh, the last 10, 15 minutes? I, I, I have. Um, I You know, it was interesting. Um, I thought, obviously, it was an exciting game. It was a close game. It's, it's um, you know, two of the teams that will be competing for the playoffs. But I, I didn't feel like the quality of the game was actually that high. I thought that there were too many um, unforced errors. Um, the flow of the game wasn't that great. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that was actually down, um, you know, if I really give credit, this this was probably one of the better defensive performances that we've seen in Major League Rugby 
Um, both teams uh, had a high tackle count, but a high tackle completion rate. So um, uh, Nola had um, 152 tackles and they completed 90%. And New York had 127 tackles um, and they completed 92%. So anything above 85% is good. So I think both teams um, did well. But, you know, Nola started slowly and I think it was really in the penalty count that they really struggled. There were so many penalties, and I think that's one of the reasons why it, the game didn't flow. But Nola had 17 penalties in the game um, to New York's nine, and nine would normally be considered quite high, but 17, Dan, I mean, that was that was a lot. I think that, um, you know, it, I thought that um, Corbier, the referee, really struggled to, to manage this game effectively so it was able to flow. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're right, Pete. They spoke to both sides afterwards, and um, it's never a good thing when both sides are equally frustrated with the officiating, and uh, just a little more confused they were. There wasn't much communication out there on what the penalties were for and uh, how they could fix it. I had a good conversation with the butcher, Dylan Fawcett, after the game, and always a gentleman. You know, he didn't want to criticise the officials, which is you know definitely not what we want to do. But he was uh, he was more or less saying, you know, that the communication between the officials and the players was non-existent. It made it very, very difficult for them to make their adjustments. And I agree that 17 penalty count against New Orleans, it's just, it really is a mountain uh, that you need to overcome. And it's just tough against a quality side like New York. But uh, really impressed with both sides, actually. I think you, you mentioned it there. Both of them will be in and around that top four come uh, the end of May, early June. So, no need to panic down in New Orleans. The big easy should be okay. They actually get a bye week, which will be much appreciated this week, I would think, after four straight weeks playing and uh, playing pretty tough games down there. And uh, Rooney, they will be back on the road to take on Seattle. But we'll talk about that later, Pete. We'll jump across the coast now to San Diego. And this was a game that you did on Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was Utah traveling out to San Diego, and it was the Legion who improved to 3-1 and one on the year, 21 points to 10. And I caught bits and pieces of this as a, it was a travel day as I was flying across the country as well. But um, San Diego just finding a way to win you know, these early games. Yeah, I mean, I think this was an interesting game for me. I, mean, I talked to Alf Daniels before the game from the Utah Warriors, and this was only their second game. And, um, you know, coming from a cold uh, weather city where they're training indoors. He felt they were a couple of games away from playing their best. And I think it really showed here. You know, San Diego really um, in moments showed what a quality side they were. But in the first 20 minutes, I think they've turned over the ball four times in attacking positions, just trying to do a little bit too much. And it's been a real frustration for Rob Hoadley that their accuracy when the pressure is up, when they're applying pressure on the opposition has been um, a real concern for them. But I thought that it was probably the best defensive performance that San Diego has had. Um, you know, their tackle completion rate was 92%. They had 151 tackles. I thought that um, they defended really well. And I thought um, Utah showed some glimpses of what they can do. You know, it was great to see Josh Whippy back. And every time he was around the ball, he um, made things work. Um, but I thought Josh Reeves didn't have a great introduction to Major League Rugby. I think we'll see more of him um, as he gets used to 
the um, the pace of the game at MLR because I felt like he didn't control the game as as well as he he could have. Um, and of course, you know, some real standouts on San Diego, um, none more so than Devin Short, the uh, um, player of the match. He had uh, um, a great try. His work rate was um, phenomenal. And he chased down um, two-time uh, World Cup participant winger um, Fetu Vanakola from behind, which I thought was um, really impressive. So, you know, I think I think the San Diego um, are going to be good. It was great to see, um, you know, a back four of Audsley, Matias, Teo, and Osberger. Osberger, they really did. They looked dangerous whenever they got in space. So I thought this was a, a pretty good win for um, San Diego to finish their homestand three and one. But I think there's more for them to give. And I think we still have a lot more to learn about Utah as they get into the swing of the season. Yep, definitely agree with you. I'm really glad you mentioned Devin Short. Uh, it came into the season with pretty big raps on him from uh, a lot of the right people. And, you know, that was a, a great game for him. I I'd like to get your opinion on this one, Pete. Uh, considering you've taken teams to the World Cup before, I don't see him getting on a plane in 2019 to go to Japan. But I think post-World Cup, he is a guy that has to be brought into the setup and, and preparing for 2023. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I, I actually chatted to him before the game, and you know, he, he uh, still hopes to catch Mike Friday's eye for um, 2020. And then I think his goal is going to be 2023. It's just a little bit early. You can still, he's still, you know, he's still learning the game. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think he has the chance to be a really great seven. He has the athleticism and speed and he brings some size. I mean, you know, you stand next to this guy, he's not a small guy. So um, I think he's a really exciting prospect, but I agree with you. I think, I think this year is a little bit too early, but he can still have two more world cups with um, after this one. He's so young. Yeah, exciting, exciting times. Pete, after that one, we jumped across. It was the Glendale Raptors taking on the Austin Elite, both winless coming into this game and both really uh, desperate to to break that trend, even though it's early in the season. Uh, the Raptors 0-2, the Austin Elite 0-3 going into this one. It was down there in Austin, and it was the Raptors on the back of some of their veterans who really got the job done down there, 24-13, Austin, the misery continues for them. They drop down to 0-4 now. The Raptors find themselves mid-table and back in the mix. But uh, it was their senior players, and it's that core group that you've often talked about that makes Glendale so good that really stood up. In, in particular, I've got to tip my hat to Arta Malifa, who turned back the clock with a great individual game. And, uh, you know, Zach Fanolio starting again, had a great game. Peter Dahl, great game. You know, those guys who have done it all before, and I think you could tell they uh, didn't like finding themselves in that unfamiliar position of uh, being winless in Major League Rugby. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, these are just quality players that are able to really um, provide the depth that Glendale needs. I mean, when you lose um, your nine and ten in um, Davies and McGee, it's it's hard to do it. But you know, I thought like it's great to see Peter Dahl still able to step up and have an impact. He's such a good player, and you know. Um, Fanolio leading from the front. But I'm, I'm going to give a big shout-out to the um, Glendale defense. I really thought that their line speed improved in this game. I think they put a lot of pressure on Austin. They were able to defend the game line 54% of the time, which is like, that's that's high. 
Um, and so um, I, I, I think that that was what um, uh, really allowed them to um, shut down the attack of Austin. But, you know, that, that I, you know, Glendale still have some, some issues in terms of their execution. Um, they had, you know, again, this was another game that had a lot of penalties. They had 17 penalties in this game. And I think that that's what kept Austin in it. They had so many chances that they didn't take near the Austin line to put it away. And, you know, they closed it out at the end, but I think they made it much harder than it could have been. Yep, I agree. I agree, Pete. And then we uh, we duck back to the West Coast, up to the uh, Pacific Northwest to be uh, exact, as Seattle on the back of two losses. Welcome the Toronto Arrows. You got their first win a week earlier over Austin. Uh, late game on Sunday out there. And, Pete, this was probably my pick for game of the round. Uh, a lot of the eyeballs were on the Rooney-Nola game, but I think this game really delivered. 35-30. Seattle end up getting the win, but it was eerily similar in its flow to the game that you and I did out there in week one for CBS uh, against Glendale, where Toronto came out in the second half and really put it to Seattle, built up a nice lead, but... Slowly but surely, those Seawolves behind that uh, big home crowd just started chipping away, and a couple of late Brockstaller penalties again was enough to get them over the line. But, uh, Pete, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I thought this was um, the game of the weekend. Um, I thought the uh, Toronto are beginning to show some of the class that they have. Like, they had moments in this game where they were actually pretty dominant, and Seattle really struggled to hold on. But then Seattle... Um, really were able to uh, kind of have a gut check and, and be able to come back. And I think maybe one of the challenges that Toronto might have is in their match fitness at, at the end of the game. But what's interesting for me about this is that, you know, when we talk about the success of the Seawolves and we talk about their model, which has been really about um, defence and winning on, on in transition and in turnovers, they had almost 60% of the possession and 70% of the territory. I mean, it really is. It's like, it, it was sort of like not a Seattle kind of game. And maybe that's why they found themselves down. They, they had too much ball. They weren't quite sure what to do with it. So um, it was an interesting, uh, um, it was a very interesting game in, in that aspect for me to watch and to see the, um, uh, to see the, the, uh, um, the Seattle team win while they had a lot of the ball and they had a lot of the territory, which is not the way that it normally goes. Yep, that is true. That is true. Usually they are uh, back-to-the-wall type of team that grind their way out. Uh, but plenty of big performances this week. Uh, last week, sorry, Pete. Um, it was a very, very tough ask for Major League Rugby to come up with a player of the week. But they ended up deciding on a guy who I thought really had his coming-out party Um Big name signing, came over from Leinster, had a good pedigree behind him, quality player, but Kyle Marsh, fly half for Rooney, a 17-point haul against Nola down there, but more than the points, he just controlled. He was, uh, I think at one point, referred to him as a uh, as a conductor of an orchestra, you know, just so talented at just controlling the pace and flow of the game, the fly half from Rooney, but Enough from me. You want to hear from the great man himself. And Pete, you got a chance to catch up with the fly, fly half, Carl Marsh. Well, I am excited to have um, Carl here from uh, Rooney. 
So excited to have you um, on the podcast. Uh, so thank you very much and uh, welcome to Major League Rugby Kickoff. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Now, let's, uh, let's um, start with a little bit of your background because um, you actually played for a longtime USA Rugby um, participant and supporter, Tony Smith at Trinity College, Dublin. So tell us a little bit about um, your experience of playing with Tony. Yeah, um, well, Tony, Tony recruited me out of high school. Um, I'd visited UCD and Trinity, which are the two main colleges in, in Dublin, but I was very impressed with Tony and, and his love for the game, I guess. I don't think anyone loves it more than him. He's, he's constantly talking, talking rugby and, <laughs> and he's so keen. So, um, yeah, I played for three years under him and really loved it. Um, me and him sort of had similar enough philosophies, I guess. We both, uh, we both like playing with the ball in hand, um, attacking rugby and stuff. And, and he's definitely, that's definitely what he's, he's into as well. So now I really enjoyed my time with him. Um, and uh, for those people that don't know, a couple of little bit of background, but Tony Smith um, was in Seattle for a long time, founded the Boys U19 program for the USA, and also was an assistant coach for the Eagles going to the 2007 World Cup. And um, now when you played with him, you were in the, we, we, did you play with Trinity when they were in Division One of the All-Island League? And um, we would have been in 1B, it was called, so it would right. have been the, the second tier. Um, but he's really built that program incredibly well. When when I was there, I was the only um, Leinster Academy player. Um, whereas now, if you look at the team, they have maybe five or six people in the Leinster setup. He recruits like the very best players. They're all so keen to play for him. And um, yeah, he's really built that pr- program. And now they're flying. They're comfortable in one A. They're doing really well, and they're pushing for the for the playoffs this year. I think so. He's doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just so everyone understands, this is a bunch of college kids. And let's be honest, um, Carl, a bunch of smart college kids, right? This is uh, one of the top universities in Ireland playing against grizzled old club veterans week in, week out. So it's always a bit of a physical challenge. Exactly. I'm not sure how I quite got in there, to be honest. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think Tony does a great job of recruiting um, he can he gets he has gotten a good few American guys over. He sort of finds people. I don't know where he finds some of these <laughs> lads, but he sort of plugs the gaps when when we might be say down one or two in the pack. He always finds someone. Um, which I yeah, know he's yeah he's very good at recruitment. That's great. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your journey to um, Major League Rugby and, and to New York. What was it that that attracted you to the league, and and how did you go about making that decision? Um, well, I guess the main thing that probably attracted me to the league was it was just something so new and and something so different, I guess. Um, like New York is a brand new team in a brand new league, so I guess we can sort of shape the future of, of where we go. Um, James English, the general manager, got on to me um, at a time when I'd been injured for, for a while, so um, my options probably weren't what I would have liked them to have been. Um, I was hoping to sort of maybe get a, like a, a premiership club or a club in the top 14 um, and it just didn't pan, didn't pan out that way. So at that stage, I was sort of looking for something maybe a bit different as opposed to, to going into the second tier in, in England or France. So, um, yeah, I think you just sold the vision. Um, you told me a bit about this year or sorry, the previous year and they just seemed very ambitious here. So 
um it didn't actually take too long new york obviously sold itself being such a being such a cool city so um i had i had missed out on some travel growing up so i just wanted uh wanted a new experience and to live somewhere new well tell me about your new york experience what's been one of the things that is really uh, well, one of the things that has been surprising to you about becoming a new yorker um well I, I knew it was going to be sort of busy and hectic but it's definitely a bit busier than than i would have expected um like the the commuting and and things like that can be a challenge although i think nearly that can, that's nearly probably helped us in our away trip so far because you know our travel is pretty tough the whole time so when we have to travel say uh, across to the west coast to san diego or if we have delays in flights and stuff i think we, we might be able to overcome it more than others because we're used to sort of going through a bit of a slog day to day. Um, but no, it's an amazing city and I've absolutely loved my couple of months, couple of months here so far. There's a few Irish on the team, like Marcus Walsh, uh, Ross Deacon and stuff who've lived here for a while. So they really helped me settle in quickly. Um, and the new, everyone here, the New York is Petri, all those boys have uh, really felt me, made me feel at home. So um, what's your favorite New York thing to do? Is it bagels? Is it pizza? Do you like to go to shows in the West End? What, which, which, what part of daily life has become a New York part of daily life for you? Um, yeah, uh, I went, went to a Broadway show with my family when they were here. That was really good. Um, I had some friends over from Dublin a couple of weekends ago so I showed them around town the nightlife is definitely very good when we get the ch- when we get the chance to go out um and then yeah just going around Central Park everything um I've really enjoyed my time so far that's great well let's 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 turn to rugby how would you describe yourself as a player what is it that you think you bring to the table for the Rooney team um well I'd hope to bring I guess something maybe a bit different from other outhalves um I like to run with the ball. Um, I like to play high tempo. Um, we constantly challenge the nines. Once the ball is there, throw it out. Because um, I think especially with some of the weather conditions here, like can be hot and sticky and like the forwards can get pretty tired. So I think if we're playing at high tempo, there's definitely opportunities for space. Um, so yeah, that's that's been my game that growing up the whole time I've always been encouraged to play to my strengths but at the same time I, I think if I see that I like to play the picture in front of me as well so if there's a uh, kick space and space in the backfield you have to be able to take that so um, that's obviously a very important aspect as well. Um, so let's talk about sort of your early impressions of Major League Rugby you, you came up through the professional setup in Ireland what are some of the things that have surprised you in terms of um, the play in of major league rugby um well i think the, i think the skill level has been good um like if you look at the new orleans backline we played um on the weekend you know all of their backs are well able to to catch pass run good shape make good decisions um our backs can definitely do that as well we've only played two games so i'm not i thought san diego were good as well obviously um but yeah i think like the shapes the shape is definitely there um and everyone like the American guys are so keen to learn and there's some there's some really good talent there as well so I've been impressed by the standards so far. So um, let's talk a little bit about the New Orleans game going into the game what what did you know about New Orleans obviously they were unbeaten and so what did you see on on the game tape that you thought you could exploit and what was your game plan because of that? 
Um, well, the the coaches obviously the scout the preview the teams very well for us. So Keith and Tokes had sort of had told us that that New Orleans were very good with ball in hand. They've scored a lot of tries. I think they'd scored 30, 40 points um, in their previous matches. Um, so we knew they were going to be very dangerous, but they'd obviously shipped a lot of points as well. So I guess the game plan for us going into it was just try to hold on to the ball as much as possible, don't kill ourselves. Um, and we knew, say, after four or five phases that there was going to be opportunities in, in broken play. Um, so that was the game plan going into it. Um, and the way it turned out, I guess we didn't really have a lot of the ball, but the ball we had, we managed to we managed to get points on the board, thankfully. And I think our defence held strong, so that's a credit to Keith and and the work we've been doing there. And obviously, it came down to a to a kick at the end, right? It was a close enough game to be um, to to be a kick at the end to be the difference. Um, so. Talk us a little bit about the pressure that's on you as a as as a kicker to make your conversions and 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 make your penalties in close games. Um, yeah, I guess it, it it definitely is pressure. I guess, but it's more just I'd feel it for the other boys. If say if it came down to me, I'd I'd feel like I let them down as opposed to any sort of personal pressure really, because um, we all put so much into it during the week, but. Um, yeah, it was obviously noisy enough the other day, but that's just American sports, I guess. I wasn't really used to it, but it really, I, I don't really mind when it's noisy. It just sort of narrows your focus and you can just sort of zone in on your process and, and just stick with that. And yeah, hopefully it goes over, I guess. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge um, discussion going on in American rugby circles about whether you should be quiet or whether you should, you should be noisy during kicks. Um, do you, um, and some people say it's a tradition in rugby to respect the kicker and other people say it's the American tradition to heckle. So, um, but for you as a kicker, it doesn't seem to, you don't seem to mind too much. No, I think over here, you know, it's sort of, we're trying to get new fans and it's part of the culture a small bit. So, um, yeah, I say let them at it. Um, I doubt many kickers really care, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's... As I long as it's not too crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see, right? Let's see how crazy it yeah. can get. You haven't played in Seattle yet. Exactly. Seattle can be I'm pretty probably, crazy. I'm probably cursing myself here saying that into this game. But, um, yeah, I think it's okay. Okay, so um, final question. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit about your, um, your teammates and... Um, uh, who's the funny guy on the team? Um, we have a few funny guys. I, I live in the house with um, with some of the other foreign guys. So um, I'm living with a few Irish guys. Paddy Ryan, um, he's, a, he's a funny lad. Um, him, Will Leonard and Mark, they're all a bit crazy in their own way. Um, and then, but yeah, no, like the team are great. I think we've, we've got a very diverse team here. You know, we've got some New Yorkers like Petri, Chris Matina, then sort of Americans who've come here to really sort of seize the opportunity. Guys like Matt Houston and, and Matt Workin and people like that. So it's very diverse, people with different backgrounds. And um, yeah, I think we have a very, very good mixed squad and we're having a great laugh along the way. Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Um, for the call today and uh, um, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing learning more about you as you play and um, uh, watching the Rooney team continue continue to develop through season two of Major League Rugby. Cheers thanks to Mel for having me.
And there we go. Cole Marsh of Rooney and Pete, what a great young lad he is. It, it is. And, and, you know, it was uh, interesting um, talking to him about um, living in New York. I, I honestly think this guy is um, living the dream. There's a bunch of young rugby players living in New York and uh, playing some rugby. And, and it was, you know, it's just so great to hear someone so passionate about what he does and so embracing of the opportunity that Major League Rugby has given him. Yeah, got to spend a bit of time with Rooney after the game. I actually went back to the hotel with them after I was with uh, Mike Petrie, you know, good good friend of mine. And just looking at the culture of that team, and you and I always talk about this, you know, culture is, is such a big part of any sports team, but more so, you know, we, we identify more in rugby of having that positive culture and how, you know, not having that and having a cancerous kind of situation a team can just derail a whole season. But they were so tight. I mean, no clicks, no nothing. Uh, they were all in a circle. James English, he laid down the law. Mike Tolkien laid down the law and it was all eyes up, all ears open. And I was like, oof, um, this, this, is a, this is a team that could really shake things up this year if they can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I think they've obviously got, I mean, there's quality all over Rooney, both on the field and off the field. Like, it's just really great quality players that are proven Major League Rugby players and proven internationals. And then there's just um, quality off the field with um, Mike Tolkien and James English, two guys that I have a ton of respect for. So I I think they're going to be tough to spot um, stop, but you're, you're right. A lot of this is going to come down to health in most of these teams. And that'll be it's 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 a long journey. He's, even a team like Austin isn't out of it yet. They still have more games to play. They do, and uh, one of the things that will also test them, Pete, will be representative rugby, and that happens again this weekend as the USA take on Brazil down there in Austin, Texas. And we talk about Rooney; they'll lose three players: uh, Dylan Fawcett, and Nate Brakley being called back into the squad. Of course, John Quill was rested after his two-game run in the ARC. But uh, let's dig into the ARC. Have you had a chance to run your eye over Gary Gold's side for the Brazil match? I have. And there's, I think there's a couple of um, interesting Major League rugby stories. Um, you know, I think probably the, the biggest one for me is Mikey Teo um, coming back after his um, long absence. I mean, the last time he played for the Eagles was in last year's ARC. So um, having him come back, I think he's shown with a couple of games with San Diego that he's healthy and can be an impact. I think another interesting Major League Rugby um, opportunity is Will McGee playing fly half in this game. You know, he's been, you know, obviously AJ McGinty is going to be the starting fly half at the World Cup as long as he is healthy. And I think this is Will McGee's opportunity to kind of put his um, uh, claim to that backup role with Will Hooley only just joining the squad and coming off the bench. And then a, a very, very interesting selection on the bench. So often, you know, there's you get eight replacements that you can use. And um, most often you have five forwards and three backs. And the reason you have three backs is because you want to be able to cover, um, you know, a, the scrum half position. And you want to be able to cover a midfield back, so sort of the fly half centers, and you want to be able to cover the back three. But the um, Gary Gold has gone for the unusual, but I mean, not rare, but definitely unusual, six and two. So that's six forwards and two backs. And he can do that because Will Hooley can cover both the midfield backs and the um, back three. And it's allowed him to um, add um, 
Capelli Pifaletti from San Diego. Now, um, Pifaletti has been playing hooker, has been backing up Dean Muir mainly. He did start last week or two weeks ago for San Diego, but he's listed here in the back row position, which is actually a position he's also played for San Diego. So it's interesting that we have, you know, two hooker, primary hookers, Dylan Fawcett and um, uh, Pifaletti in the reserves. And it'll be interesting to see how Gary Gold plans to, to use them in the game. Yeah, I'm not too, uh, too shocked at this, this selection, Pete, to be honest with you, after watching what the Brazilian pack's been doing in the opening two weeks. Uh, their scrum was outstanding against Argentina 15, and then even more so against Canada. Uh, I think Gary Gold recognised that and just said, you know, I'm going to win this one up front. This one, this is a game we're going to have to win in the trenches. I'll take six. And like you said, the versatility of Hooli uh, gives him that luxury to do that. But uh, I'm really excited to see the return of Tavita Tamalau. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see his try on the weekend for uh, Glasgow. Just He just looks fit. He uh, always such a dynamic, dangerous player, but there's always those question marks over his fitness. And he seems to have got himself into a good situation at Glasgow. And he looks like he could be a, a real big wild card going into the World Cup if he can keep his fitness. So excited to see Big T uh, come off the bench at some point during the week. And then, geez, it's a big midfield, isn't it? Lasique, well, he's uh, suspension. Got reduced down to one week. Um, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at that. I, I went back and looked at the the vision again, and it's it's a fine line, isn't it? You know, you got the the purists, and then the the new age fans, and what we think is good, what we think is bad, and you know, it's just uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting that it got reduced twice. You know, initially from four to to two, and then two to one, or is it six to four and four to one, or I'm not sure the actual numbers, but uh, you know, yeah. having having been involved in um, a number of disciplinary hearings, it's um, still a bit of a mystery to me how um, how these decisions get made, and there's definitely a lack of consistency that is applied. But I think, I mean, I think it's fair. I thought that there were some mitigating circumstances. Um, I thought that um, you know it probably was a red card, but I think uh, you know in, this is a situation where I think the process has um, has worked out. And just one more um, piece of Major League Rugby news for the ARC, but this time with Canada, is that it's great to see um, uh, Hubert Biden's being called up for Nola Gold. I mean, this is an old, grizzled Canadian veteran that um, Canada, Kingsley um, uh, Jones, hasn't used. Um, but I think his play for Nola has been really, really great this year, both in the scrum and in the loose. And so um, great opportunity for him to um, stake a claim to go to uh, um, the World Cup in Japan. Yep. It's, uh, this ARC is really going to be one of the last real big opportunities for a lot of these guys to book their tickets to the, uh, to the World Cup in Japan. You know, if you ask most players, that is the pinnacle of the game to get to a World Cup and represent your country. So, Pete, let's uh, let's not stand on ceremony too much longer with the ARC. We've got round five of Major League Rugby kicking off with a doubleheader on Friday night as the Toronto Arrows go down to Houston to Constellation Field in Sugarland, which I think has to be one of the coolest names for a, a city or a town around, old Sugarland. 
And uh, that one is at 8 o'clock Eastern on Facebook Watch, Game TV up there in Canada, and on uh, Cube TV down in Houston. Pete, we went 3-1, and one, and I lost on the upgrade. I missed out. I wasn't thinking I was flying into a, a hub, and you always miss out on a hub because those global travelers coming home on Friday, I was like, oof. Should have thought this one through a little better before I make bets with Pete Steinberg. He's a smart man. He travels more than I do. So it was a tie, but you win on the push. So you can dictate terms here on who has to pick first. All right. Well, I'll pick first on this one because I'm going to give you a little bit of info that um, might help you. And I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of generous guy. So Toronto actually um, has spent the week in Houston. Um, instead of flying home, they uh, flew from Seattle down to Houston and spend the week. Um, I think that's going to be great for them. You, you, you and I both know, Dan, that touring and, and being on site for the week is um, some real valuable bonding time. It's when you really get to know each other. And so, um, you know, I think the uh, Houston, um, uh, you know, I think there's, there's some quality there, but they haven't really shown that they can um, – they haven't really shown their best, and I think Toronto have. So I'm going to go with Toronto, I think. Uh, and I think Toronto are going to win this game, you know, 32-25. Seven-point buffer. You know, I, I just had a quick look through the rosters and uh, super excited to see Isaiah Klenistow back for Houston. But then on the flip side, no Joshua Vithi, which, uh, you know, the, the Fijian boys, I want to see them back out there together. They've made a few changes. I like the introduction of young Max Tackett. I think he's a player to keep an eye on. Uh, he's going to go into the midfield, which I think is an indication getting away from Mills, who is a bash and barge 12, going to Tackett, who's going to probably be a little bit more of a ball-playing 12, I think indicates that Houston uh going to really try to stretch Toronto in these conditions down there. I'm not sure how hot it's going to be on Friday night, but uh, I did know they acclimated for a week. So, ooh, good one. I will go against you on this because last week we were so boring picking the same team. <laughs> I will go Houston. Um, I think it's time for the Sabercats to start clicking. And I will say Houston will win. And I think it will be a little tighter. I'm not sure if the, the points will come as much as that. I'll go 20, 20, 27-19. All right, so go. so yeah, so 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 not 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 too much there. So let's uh, so this time it's your turn. Let's get on to the uh, San Diego in their first road trip down to um, the Austin Elite. So who do you think is going to win this one between the Legion and the Elite, Dan? I tell you, someone at uh, San Diego should uh, send the scheduler some flowers because this is a soft road trip for them to get things started going to Austin. Uh, I like the Legion. I'm, I'm, at this point, you just can't really bet on Austin, can you? They haven't given you enough, haven't shown you much. Even in their losses, I just probably the Toronto game, I felt that that was their most competitive, but they lost that one in a heartbreaker. And I will go San Diego, uh, pretty comfortable down there. Peterson, who do they lose? They lose Mikey Teo. That's okay. He's not, you've got Orsley Mattias, but yeah, I'll go San Diego by plenty. Uh, 32 to 12. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so, you know, the interesting thing about Austin is, you know, their structures are pretty good. Like, you know, they 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 build some good structures. They're, they're able to, you know, move the ball. They can retain the ball. They 
keep their defensive shape. I think they're just missing some game breakers. There's just not many. I mean, they lost a, a lot of quality in the back row, and I think that they haven't been able to replace that. And so without those back row forwards that can really create, I think it's it's always going to be a little bit difficult for them. Um, I'm with you. Uh, um, I think you know we have to go with we have to go with San Diego. I think that they're playing really well, and I think this is going to be um, a long day for Austin. So I'm going San Diego 31, Austin 12. One point. Come on, man. <laughs> under, you're like, you're like the, that guy on the Price is Right who just yeah, damn like, right, the yeah. under and uh, Drew Carey should kick you off the show anyway. Then we uh, we jump away one game on Saturday, and it's a it's a local derby, which uh, if you can call that the the Rocky Mountain Showdown, as the Glendale Raptors travel to Utah. Utah get their first home game, and uh, if the weather is anything like it has been, it's going to be a chilly game over there in uh, Salt Lake City. But uh, that one is at uh, nine p.m. Eastern, and you can catch that one on ESPN Plus nationally and uh, KMYU in the Salt Lake City area. Pete, you're up on this one. So this is a tough one. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think that um, there's going to be, there, there could be some snow on the ground, but I think Glendale are used to that. Um, it's going to be a turf field. Um, I, uh, you know, Glen, Glendale will rely on their old heads again. And I definitely, you know, I, I think they've got some, some real quality there. I think Blake Rogers is, is is having a really good season, and he's someone that is um, is really good. But I'm I'm going to put my money on Utah. I think this game is going to be really close. Uh, I think the um, <clears throat> we're going to see uh, more of Josh Whip, Whippy. I think um, uh, with um, they'll probably move Tim O'Malley to fly half uh, with. Um, with players away at the ARC. So but they've got Gannon Moore. Gannon Moore's a quality player. Um, so I I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go with um, Utah in a very, very close game. I think uh, it's going to be Utah uh, 24, Glendale 22. Ooh. Pete, I did this game last year. It was uh, Raptors at Utah. Really physical game, real tough game. And uh, the Raptors of 2018 would, absolutely destroy the Raptors of 2019 right now if they play it. Uh, so as much as I want to go Utah on this, there's still some question marks over Utah. And I think if Glendale can turn this into an arm wrestle, they've got that experience to kind of grind this one out. And and Zach Finolio has just been whinging nonstop because I picked against Glendale. So I'm going to go for Glendale. Uh, but I think it will be very, very tight as well. I, I'm going to go 24-19. Yeah, both of us um, both of us are very tight. And then this last game, Dan, I think you're calling this one, right? It's the uh, um, game of the week on CBS. It's uh, the Seattle Seawolves hosting Rugby United New York. Yeah, this one... Uh... You know, if New Orleans Rooney was an anticipated game. I think this one probably is going to top it because the defending champs always a big game when the champs are playing. And Rooney, you know, they're after their performance in New Orleans, they're the darlings of the league right now. Everyone's all about 
Rooney, that's a long road trip. Uh, they lose Dylan Fawcett and Nate Brakeley to the ARC. John Quill also gone. But uh, I just there's just something there's something about uh, that trip to Seattle. I mean, Starfire Stadium has just become such a graveyard for visiting teams to come to. And uh, I will go Seattle against my better judgment, but I'll go Seattle. I just think they're going to be uh, too tough at home there. Sounds like it's going to be another big crowd, real tough conditions. It's going to be snowy, frozen mix most of the weekend, so I'm not sure how it will look at kickoff, but I will go uh, I'll go Seattle in a very, very tight one. I think it will be low scoring. I'll go uh, 18-16. Yeah, I mean, this one, I'm, it, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to call it for um... – the reasons that that you've laid out, because I think that, you know, in I think home field advantage is, I think uh, Starfire is one of the places that has a genuine home field advantage. I think that um, Seattle and learning to play without um, Vili and without Shermer um, in the back row, but I still feel like that they miss the ability to um uh, to, to contest at the breakdown, I think that's going to allow Rooney to play quickly. And while um, the seawall has creaked a little bit, I mean, it creaked against Toronto, I think that it's going to creak again against Rooney. I think Rooney are going to score points in this. Um, I think Seattle are going to also score points, but I just don't think they're going to score quite enough. So I think we've got um, something like a reverse of last week. I think that this game will be um, Seattle. Uh, 28 and Rooney 33. Oh, a lot of points. It's yeah, it's going to be. I I just pulled up the weather now, Pete. It's going to be really tough there on uh, on Sunday night for both these sides. So I love I love how like 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 you you make a. Do you remember when I told you? About Toronto being in Houston before you made your I, prediction. I just so you made your prediction. Oh, whatever. You, you make your prediction. You're like, oh, it's going to be 17, 18. And then afterwards, after I make my prediction, then you tell me the weather's going to be bad. I see how this works. I see how this works. Your competitive spirit is absolutely playing out here. Well, there's we are not picking the same ones this week. So there's a lot of opportunity for one of us to pull ahead. There is. There is. And, uh, Maybe you'll be right at that. I, just, I should probably hit refresh on my phone before I start sprouting off. It just changed to uh, 42 degrees and uh, partly cloudy at kickoff. So maybe they will open up and uh, I will uh, I will be the one on the decline again. But, well, folks, that wraps it up. And we look forward to a huge week five. We'll be back next week to delve deeper into why I was wrong and why Pete was right again. And uh, we'll preview... The game's coming up, and we'll also have a look at uh, the USA-Brazil game and get our result from that one. So it should be a big weekend. Pete, I think you actually may have a very rare weekend off this weekend. I do have a a weekend off, but I'm going to be following all the games um, as best I can. I'm on uh, dad duty as my uh, wife is away for work. But for all of our listeners, please um, subscribe to us on your um, whatever your podcasts um uh, program is and uh, if you are on your iphone uh, please leave a review and subscribe to us on itunes so if you leave a review that'll help other people find the podcast and we can share more major league rugby news 
Love it, Pete. Thank you for joining us. Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro, and myself, Dan Power. Thanks a lot for joining us for this week's MLR kickoff. We'll see you next time.